Hey there everyone and welcome back to another episode of Med Talks. This episode is part of the Junior Doctors Guide series where we discuss the most common clinical scenarios that you will face in hospital, particularly when you're on call. We hope that you've enjoyed the series so far and have found our episodes useful. Please remember to leave your feedback and share the episodes with your friends and your colleagues. In today's talk, I'm going to be going through an extremely common clinical scenario, which seems to often occur at around 5am when you've just sat down in the doctor's mess for a nice cup of tea and biscuit. So the bleep goes off and a concerned nurse is on the phone. Doctor, my patient hasn't passed any urine for quite a few hours and they're complaining of some pain in their abdomen. You then jump up for joy because you know exactly what is coming next. Again, do the basics during this during this phone call. Get all of the details about the patient from the nurse, so their name, their age, hospital number, ward location. Find out why the patient is in hospital, any past medical history, um, their current observations, and so on. Ask the nurse how much urine the patient has passed in the last 24 hours. Whilst you're on the phone, ask the nurse to do a bladder scan and then they can inform you of the result. A bladder scan is basically an ultrasound scan of the suprapubic area of the abdomen, which can highlight how much fluid there is sitting in the bladder. Now, it's not 100% accurate, but if it is significantly high, then you will need to do something about it. So the nurse does the bladder scan and tells you that there is 800 mils in the patient's bladder. This is where all of those OSCE sessions practicing catheterization will now come into play. This patient has way too much urine in their bladder. They are clearly symptomatic with this, and so you, with your stethoscope and your MBBS qualification, will need to go and sort this nice situation out that you're in. Pardon the pun. So, the patient has developed urinary retention. Let's talk about acute urinary retention. This is the inability to pass urine, and it can be categorized into acute and chronic. Acute urinary retention is a new onset of the inability to pass urine, which causes the suprapubic pain and tenderness and excessive residual volume in the bladder. It's most usually seen in older men and due to enlarged prostates, so benign prostatic hyperplasia blocking the outflow tract. Other common causes include urethral strictures and prostate carcinoma. Additionally, a UTI can cause closure of the urethral sphincter, especially in patients with already narrow outflow tracts, such as those with BPH. Constipation can also cause retention by compression of the urethra, and medications such as opioids, antimuscarinics, and various anaesthetic agents can also cause retention by, by altering the innervation of the bladder. There are neurological causes such as peripheral neuropathy, motor neuron disease, spinal cord damage, demyelinating disease, and Parkinson's disease that can cause retention. If the patient presents with severe lower back pain, bowel and bladder dysfunction, saddle anesthesia, and absent Achilles, anal, and bulbocavernous reflexes, then you must think cauda equina syndrome. And finally, patients can go into retention postpartum and post-op. So, how will patients in acute urinary retention present? If it's really bad, then they'll be screaming in pain and they'll be pointing to the suprapubic region. The suprapubic area will be tender on palpation, there'll be dullness to percussion, and you're likely to feel an enlarged bladder. Now, as a rough reference guide, a bladder with 150 mils of urine in is likely to be percussible and palpable if there's more than 200 mils. 
They may also have symptoms of a predisposing cause, such as a UTI. Now, when you assess the patient, look for any loin pain, any renal angle tenderness, or pyrexia. Examine the genitourinary region in both men and women. In men, look for any phimosis or meatal stenosis and any discharge. And in women, are there any signs of vulval or vaginal inflammation or infection? And is there an obvious pelvic mass? A PR exam may reveal BPH or constipation, and you should also check the anal tone. Finally, look out for any neurological signs or symptoms. So is there any evidence of disc prolapse or cord compression? So you need to check the lower limb reflexes, the power, the sensation and the perineal sensation. Right, so what are you going to do next? So the investigations. Firstly, as we've asked the nurse to already do, the bedside bladder scan. This will show the volume of retained urine within the bladder, which conf will confirm the diagnosis. Secondly, blood tests. So a full blood count, CRP, use knees and a PSA, although the PSA is going to be of limited use at this time because it's bound to be elevated in acute urinary retention. A CSU should be sent post-catheterization to see if there's any infection that may be causing the retention. And you should also check the drug chart because perhaps they've had the patients had medications changed or for example an altered an increased dose of morphine that's tipped them over the edge and into retention. An ultrasound of the urinary tract may be required if there's any evidence of high pressure retention. So high pressure retention occurs when the anti-reflux mechanism of the bladder and the ureters fails as a result of the sheer volume of, and pressure of urine within the bladder. So this causes urine to back up into the ureters and the kidneys, which causes hydrourea and hydronephrosis. This will cause deranged kidney function and the hydronephrosis will be seen on imaging. The first line is usually an ultrasound scan, but it can also be seen on a CT scan. Further down the line, patient may need a CT scan to look for any pelvic, abdominal or retroperitoneal masses which may be causing extrinsic bladder neck compression. An MRI or CT head scan may reveal intracranial lesions such as a stroke, MS or a tumour which provides a central cause for the retention. And an MRI spine may show disc prolapse, chorda equina, spinal tumours, compression and MS. So how are we going to manage this patient? Firstly, we need to put them out of their misery and catheterize them. Trust me, they will thank you and you'll be able to clearly hear their relief as the urine drains out. Secondly, we need to measure the post-catheterization volume that's drained. It's really important to document in the notes what you've just done. So for example, ask to see patient due to urinary retention 800 mils in the bladder. Bladder palpable on abdom abdominal examination and tender. Catheter inserted aseptically. 10 mils used to inflate the catheter balloon, easy or difficult insertion depending on the situation, clear urine draining, and then document the, the measured volume drained post-catheterization. The underlying cause of retention will need to be treated. For so for example, in BPH, there will need to be started on an alpha blocker, so tamsulosin 400 micrograms once a day, or alternatively, they could be started on laxatives for constipation. Any contributing medications such as opioids will need to be reviewed and the dose may need to be lowered. And it's also important to monitor the patient for post-obstructive diuresis, especially if they have a large retention volume, so commonly around one litre. Post-obstructive diuresis is where the kidneys over-diurese after the retention has resolved. This can lead to worsening of AKI, electrolyte derangement, so hypokalemia, 
hyponatremia or hypernatremia, and hypomagnesemia. It can also cause the patient's fluid output to significantly exceed their input, and so strict input and output charts will be required, particularly in the first 24 hours after catheterization. If a patient is producing more than 200 mL an hour, then they will need approximately 50% of their output to be replaced by IV fluids to avoid worsening the AKI. If the patient has high pressure retention, they'll probably need to keep their catheter in place until a definitive management has been arranged, for example a transurethral resection of the prostate, and this is required to prevent any further episodes of retention. Now, it's important to be aware that if you are seeing this, if you are in this situation on a light night shift, you can't always do all of these things immediately. So, if you're on the night shift, make sure you just make the patient comfortable by inserting the catheter, and then the day team or the ward team can explore the reasons behind the retention. But in the immediate situation, you can send off some bloods, do a CSU, perform a PR exam, and make sure there's no evidence of corda equina syndrome. The patient will eventually require a TWOC or a trial without catheter. This will either be done during the patient's admission around 24 to 48 hours after uh, insertion of the catheter or they may be discharged with a catheter and then come back in a couple of weeks to the TWOC clinic. Alpha blockers such as tamsulosin have been shown to increase the, increase the chances of TWOC success if they are given before removing the catheter. Multiple failed attempts at a TWOC may result in a long-term catheter until a definitive cause is identified. Okay, so that's brought us to the end of this episode on acute urinary retention. We hope you found it useful. Please remember to give us some feedback by filling out the form in the episode bio. Also, please subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts where we cover many other common scenarios that you're going to face as an FY1. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more updates. And stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.